you and I are created for one thing. You and I are created to rejoice in the Father. That's what we're created to do. Philippians 4 tells us that. That we are created to rejoice in Him always. Again, I'll say rejoice. That's what you and I are created to do as humans. We're created to rejoice and take joy and pleasure in the Father. But so, so here's the deal. The enemy's tactic is not to is not to just destroy you. The enemy's tactic is to make sure that you don't do that. That's the enemy's tactic. Is, is there here to, he's here to make sure that you don't rejoice in the Father. And so it doesn't just all happen at once. It doesn't just, um, we don't just wake up and go, I'm not going to rejoice in the Father today. Like, it doesn't happen that way. But instead what happens is um, somewhere along the way, maybe in high school, maybe in junior high, somebody asks the question, hey, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? What are you, you going to do? Like, what are you going to do for the rest of your life, right? And, and that creates a little bit of anxiety because then the next question comes, hey, where am I going to go to college? Now I've got two, right? Where, what am I going to do the rest of my life? Where am I going to go to college, right? Well, and then and it's like, hurry up, you need to make a decision. And it's like, uh, okay, okay, well, like what town do I want to be in? What, what, what university is going to offer what I have? And then you get to college and it's like, okay, now what classes am I supposed to take? right and then you've got okay I've got these classes I'm supposed to take and I'm supposed to do these things and then and then they go hey how are your grades and they're like okay I've got grades okay I've made this decision I've got grades I'm doing this and then somewhere along the way somebody says hey have you met anybody yet right and then you're like oh I'm supposed to do that too okay um and then you start kind of worrying about that have I met anybody have I gone on any dates what is happening like everybody keeps asking me and they're like oh and then and then the question comes hey where are you gonna when are you gonna graduate and then I I graduate and I'm like well I'm supposed to graduate too uh okay and now and then the question goes hey where are you gonna get a job what city are you gonna live oh I'm gonna go to this city okay okay I've I'm got this city I'm going just I'm supposed to hey when are you gonna take over the world Okay, right. Okay, now I got to go to the city. I got to have this job. And then I've got to take over the world. And then I've got to, to make this decision. And now I have to have a house or an apartment. And now I've got roommates. And now, and now I've got rent and all of these things. And then I meet somebody. And it's like, okay, we got to figure it out, right? And then you go on a couple of dates. And then you get asked, and is this the one? Maybe it is the one. Oh, and then you get engaged. And now you're like, okay, now I've got to plan a wedding. Wait, a wedding? What? I'm supposed to plan the wedding? Who does that? There's so many decisions to be made. And then you get married. And you're like, okay, now people start asking, how many kids are you going to have? Kids? I'm supposed to have kids and keep them alive? And then there's insurance. And then there's and then there's health insurance in this crazy world and then somebody gets sick and then you've got to pay all the bills but you wait, you were paying insurance. What is happening? Right? And then, and then, and then it's like, oh, I've got seven kids? What happened to three? Right? And then we just keep going. And somewhere along the way, it's not that we chose to not rejoice in the Father. It's that our mind 
has been on everything else because the enemy has distracted us from rejoicing in the Father. We've got so many things coming at us all day long that it feels overwhelming. And so here's the deal. What's happened now is these are not the problem. All of these things are just life. They're not the problem. What ends up being the problem is the worry and the anxiety caused by the problem. And we spend so much time focused on the anxiety and the worry of the problem that we never handle the problem, right? So what do we do with that? What does God's word say for us when life feels like this, right? We laugh because we all can relate, can't we? Like we're trying to juggle all of these things and we can't. And so what does God's word say? And when Matthew chapter six, Jesus addresses it. And I wanna say this this morning as we start. Anxiety is different for every single person. We are not going to address everything that spans the scope of anxiety today. We don't have that kind of time. What my hope today, though, is not to generalize and over just say, ah, you got anxiety, big deal, deal with it. Like, that's not the goal today. The goal is to give us some practical ways that when we do face anxiety, and it's different from each, for each one of us, and we all will face it at some point. We all get a little anxious, a little worried. Some of us get more than others. We're wired that way. When we, when we face it, what do we do with it? The goal today is to give some practical ways and what Jesus says for us to handle it when it does come. Because it's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when for every single one of us. And for, for some of us, it's, it's situational. For some of us, we just deal with it all the time. And I want to recognize that, that that's a reality. And look at me, it's okay. It's okay. If you deal with it, it's okay. Something's not wrong with you, okay? I want you to hear that. Something is not wrong with you because you deal with it differently than somebody else deals with it or that yours is more pronounced in your mind than somebody else's it's not wrong but look Jesus has given us ways in which we handle it okay so our aim is is this this morning stay the course with your mind fixed on Jesus and that's much easier said than it is done but we're going to give some ways in which we do that this morning. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, he says this. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more value, of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So 
let's just stop there. First thing this morning point is, do not be anxious about the things of the world. So, in Jesus' time, um, being, like worrying about where your next meal came from was a reality, okay? Worrying about food was a reality. Worrying about clothing was a reality for them, okay? Like he, he, that was a real reality. For you and me, I mean, we could probably all skip today's meals and be okay, right? And, and, and for the most of us, we've got it in the pantry that we could have a meal anytime we want. That's the reality for us. Most of us have more clothes than we need or really want, right? How many of you are like, I could go through my closet right now and get rid of like half of it? Yeah, exactly. So, right? So, like, when we read that, we go, well, I don't really worry about those things, so it's fine. Well, no, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's, he's addressing a real reality for them, right? And he says, don't be anxious of the things of this world. Now, for you and I, I may not my clothes, it may not be food, but for you and I, there's real anxiety for different things in the world, Right? How many of us worry constantly about paying bills and making sure that we have enough money for the month? Okay, the rest of you are lying. Right, like, like we all just deal with that and struggle with that, don't we? Because what? The American dream says we have to have this, this, and this, and we constantly and subconsciously try to live to that. We've we got to have the next this. We want this. We want this, Right? And sometimes we create the only anxiety for ourselves. When, when Jesus says, do not be anxious about anything, the things of this world, right? Some of you worry and get anxious about your kids and what they're doing and how they're growing up and, and, and do they have the right influence and do they, are they doing this or are they doing that, right? Like we, we worry, we we. We, we, we think about all these things. Here's the crazy thing, right? I want to I I do a little bit of word study with you this morning. When Jesus uses this word anxious, okay, it's the word merimaneo, okay? And the word merimaneo means this, okay? To be divided in thought. To be divided in thought. That's what the word merimaneo means. To be divided in thought thought it's it's interesting because we have some some um early historical documents church history documents and and um they were it was it was it was recorded that um uh, um a, uh, there was a jewish man who gave his life to christ and he got baptized and they gave him a new name after baptism right and, and the new name that they gave him after baptism was amemaneo and the reason that they gave him that after baptism is because prior to knowing Christ, he was considered a worrier. And after Christ, ah, merimaneo means what? Not worry. Not a worrier. Right? And so in Christ, what does he find? Peace. In Christ, what does he not find? Anxiety. Right? And so this word means... To, to, to not have divided thoughts. Well, I want you to know this. This is what's so fascinating. Again, God's word always, has always known long before science ever knew. But listen, mood and anxiety disorders are characterized by this. 
by a variety of neuroendocrine, neurotransmitter, and neuroanatomical, ready for this? Disruptions. A, a division in a thought process, right? A division in a thought process is how mood and anxiety disorders are described in the scientific and clinical communities. What does the word God use for anxious? Something that means divided thoughts, right? But, but how many of us do it, right? How does it play out in your head, right? I can tell you how it plays out in mine, right? I'm laying in bed, right? I'm trying to go to sleep. Okay, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. Oh, now, but, but what about this? Well, what about the calendar over here? Oh, what about the schedule over here? And I try to pick it all up at night while I'm laying in bed. And my mind just starts racing. And it goes here and it goes here and it goes here. And I find myself just going, oh my gosh. Right? It's a divided thought. When I'm laying in bed just trying to chill and go to sleep, what happens? My thoughts become divided. And from those divided thoughts, man, it all just piles on. And then my chest gets tight. And I start kind of going, okay, okay, is this going to be okay? Is this going to be okay? Are we going to, are we going to be able to handle this? Is this going to, wait, how's this going to play out? Is this, I got to, I got to talk to Logan in the morning about this, like, right? That's how it plays out in our head, isn't it? That's how we do it. Our thoughts become divided. He says, do not be anxious about the things of this world. Like, oh, do, Brady, do I just not think about them? Do I just not? No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that. But listen, I want you to see this. I want you to see what's next, and then we'll discuss what do we do with it. And more importantly, how do we handle it? Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows that you need them all. Do you think God doesn't know what's on your mind? If you do, you are mistaken. He knows what's on your mind. So how do we deal with it? We've got all these thoughts. How do we deal with it? Well, I think Philippians chapter 4 tells us how to deal with it. Paul says this in chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then he says in this in verse 5. Let your reasonableness be, made, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do we deal with all of those thoughts? How do we deal with all the, that stuff? We 
take it to the Father. We pray. And you're like, really? You're, you're telling me all I have to do is pray? Well, how's your way working out? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not being, I'm not being, I mean, there's a little sarcasm, but I'm not being super sarcastic here. Like, like think about that. How are you currently handling stress and anxiety and worry in your life? Like, like is it just to sit and think about it and let it, let it still and then, and, then, and then somehow it comes out on your family in the form of anger or yelling? Like, how are you handling it right now? But here's the deal. I don't want to just say, hey, pray. Because I think a lot of us do pray. And we say, Lord, can you, can you, and, and there's a lot, I, I know, I know because I've had conversations with you that, that I pray, I pray, and nothing seems to change. Well, one of the things that I've, I've learned in all of this is as those anxieties come, what I've learned for me, and, and I've started doing this over the last two weeks, I learned it through, um, I, was, I was just studying for this, and I, I began to, to read some things, I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. So I, I, read this, I read this quote, and I, and I began to, to stew on it, but um, it just simply says this, you never pour water into a shaky vessel, right? Well, why don't we pour water into a shaky vessel? Because where's the water going to go? Not in the vessel, right? And so the thing that I've been doing this week is I've been thinking and stewing on it is that, is that do I still myself before the Father before I get into his word? Or do I just jump into his word and I'm, I'm all over the place and my mind's going and my thoughts are what? They're already divided when I approach scripture. And so then when I read the scripture, I, I may get a few things out of it, but then, but then I just go back to my what? My divided thoughts. So, so what I've been doing over the last two weeks is that I get up in the morning and I, and I get my kids to school and, and then I, I calm myself. And I just sit down and I, and I get on the notes app on my phone and I ask this question, how are you feeling? And I just start typing. Like it's not fancy, it's not like, well, the Lord today, like that's not what's going on. Okay, I'm just talking, I'm just, I'm just typing whatever I'm feeling. Well, I'm a little frustrated with my children because they did this. I'm a little frustrated with my wife because she thinks I'm drama. And I was sick last week, right? Like, we, we just, like, I'm just thinking through, I'm just, I'm just typing my thoughts out on my phone. You can write it in a journal, whatever you want to do. I don't write very often, so then my hand starts cramping, so we're, I know, see? So, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself, what are you feeling? What's going on in your head? And I just start typing it all out. And then I ask the question, why? Why are you feeling this way? And then I just start answering. Well, I'm feeling this way because I've got this and this. And, and for me, a lot of times the anxiety comes for me uh, because I tend to be a people pleaser, right? And so I have some anxiety about a meeting or anxiety about this because, it, and, and then when I answer the question why, it oftentimes leads to me going, oh, it's because I want to make this person happy. And then I go, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's about you, Brady. 
But I can tell you this, as I do that, what is happening inside of me is the Lord is calming me. Getting that stuff out is calming to me. And then, and then I do this, right? I make, as Philippians 4 says, I make my request known to him. I just take everything that I've written down and say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. This is why. And I make them known to him. And I still the vessel. I still myself before the Father. And then I do this. That's when I jump into God's word. Because look what Philippians 8 says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Steal the vessel and then pour the word of God into the vessel and you will find that the word of God will bring a peace that his word says surpasses all understanding. But listen, it's a practice that I just started in the last two weeks, okay? I can tell you that it it has made a tremendous difference in me, okay? But I can also tell you this. There's some of us that need extra help than just to sit down and pray and calm the vessel because sometimes we can't calm the vessel on our own, okay? I I was there about three years ago, three and a half years ago now. I was having panic attacks. Driving down the road, heart started pounding, chest was tied. I thought I was having a heart attack. My arm was hurting. I go to the ER. I, mean, I literally call them, Logan. I'm going to the ER, Logan. I'm having a heart attack. She said, okay. I go to the ER. They hook me up to everything, right? By the way, if you go in an ER and you're having heart issues, it's pretty quick. Um, so, <laughs> knew that. So, uh, hook me up. All the tests came back fine. They're like, follow up with a cardiologist and followed up with a cardiologist. And, and Logan that night was like, hey, I don't, I don't think this is your heart. I think you're having a panic attack. Okay. I had a lot going on at church. I had a lot going on in life. I went to the cardiologist and, and he, he ran tests. He sat down and he goes, what you stressed about, man? It's like, I don't know. He's like, well, just start naming them. So I just started naming all the things in my life. And he goes, you need to calm down. I said, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. He goes, I said, my wife told me I was having a panic attack. He goes, well, I'm going to tell you something. You come back in 30 years when you need me. It ain't your heart. And you figure out how to handle your stress. I said, okay. So I went, and uh, my wife's a mental health therapist. She's a counselor, but she's not my counselor. Um, and so I, uh, I made a phone call, and I got into therapy. And the therapist asked the right questions that I didn't know to ask. And I had picked up so many things in life and was trying to carry all of them. And it was overwhelming me. 
And, and I can tell you, the therapist asked questions and uncovered things that were deep in the recesses of my heart that I did not know were there. And I spent almost eight months with him just walking through every single week just all the junk that I had carried for 39 years. And what I needed from that was I needed someone to ask the right questions. But here's the deal. I needed someone to speak the truth into what I was feeling. Because so many times we think what we're feeling is what is true, and it's not. It's not. And so, yeah, there are times that we need help. And look at me, church. Whether you, however you feel about therapy or counseling, I'm telling you right now, it's okay to admit you need help. It is okay. Because guess what happened? I got to let go. And I can tell you this. I would not be standing here as your pastor today had I not walked through that. Because the Lord did a work in me. And he showed me the truth of his word. And so now when anxiety hits, I go, God, what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely? I'm gonna think about those things and I'm gonna choose to focus and be single-minded on him. Because when I do that, I stay focused on him. All these things don't matter. Will they take care of themselves? Yes. But I don't have to focus on them. I don't have to take and, and give preoccupied thoughts to the hypothetical, right? Because oftentimes that's where anxiety is, is that I'm preoccupied with hypothetical situations that may or may not happen, right? How do you, do you know what tomorrow holds? Jesus even tells us at the very end, right? Right? So the second point for us is we have to trust the hand of the Father. Gave you the point at the end, but that's okay. We trust the hand of the Father. He knows you need everything. We trust the hand of the Father. And then the third point is this, is seek the kingdom. Look what he says in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How many are worried about tomorrow already? Yeah. Right? We all do it. What does Jesus say? Don't be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough of its own. Live for today. But what does it mean for us to seek the kingdom? It means for us to have an intentional pursuit every day of him, right? An intentional pursuit. You will not naturally grow closer to the Father just by doing nothing. You won't. I don't know if you know that, but you won't. It has to be intentional to pursue after Jesus, 
right? The way that we deal with anxiety, the way that we stay the course and our, and our mind fixed on him, the way that we have our singular focus on him is an intentional pursuit of him. Is that, is that we get into God's word, we, we still the vessel and then we get into God's word and we, 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 we learn about his character, we learn about his nature, we learn about who he is. Right? And we remind ourselves the truth that is here. This is who our God is. He wrote a story for you to show you how good he is. We sing songs on Sunday morning. I mean, just newsflash, we don't sing these songs just to sing these songs so that y'all can listen to music. Right? That's not what we do. Ricky doesn't pour his heart into making sure our songs are declaring who God is just so you have fun listening to it. We come in here each Sunday morning together as the body, as the church, to sing these songs, to remind our own hearts, man, the Lord has been good to me. I need him every single hour. Oh, I need him. He's my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. And that's a reminder to your heart. We study God's word together. Women, you're in the book of Exodus. What is God showing you? What is he teaching you? Men, we're walking through the better men and what it looks like for us to be better men. And last week we, we walked through like some uncovering some things that that just unfinished business in our life. Like, we're walking through these things together. What it looks like for us to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness is that we are constantly in pursuit of him. Not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday and two, you get it, right? That's how that works. It's an intentional pursuit every single day. We don't, we don't give up time to learn about God for something else. It's an intentional pursuit. Carve out a time with the Lord. And if someone says, hey, can you do this during this time? No, I have an appointment. You have an appointment. Don't break the appointment. You don't like it when people break appointments with you? Don't break the appointment. It's an intentional pursuit of Jesus. That's how we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Look, that's a lot, I know. You're like, oh, Brady, I don't know what's going on. We all handle anxiety differently. But we have some practical ways. Jesus gives us some practical ways on how we do that. Take it to him. Let your request be made known to him. Still yourself before him. What's true? What's right? Fill yourself with the word of God. Intentionally pursue him. You want to worry less? You want to deal with anxiety better? Then, then what you have to do is you have to stop letting all your thoughts be divided into a hundred ways. And when they begin to do it, 
you bring them back to Jesus. When you're laying in bed at night and your mind starts going, you just stop and say, God, in this moment, as we sang on Sunday, you're my one defense, you're my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you right now. Calm my mind. And I know sometimes it's like, yeah, but it's not that easy, Brady. I get it. I get it. But you got to start somewhere. Make those requests known to him. If you're going to think them, make them known to him. And get in a pattern of doing that and watch what happens. Watch how the word of God begins to transform who you are and how you think. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that God, that you would use this, Father, in all of our lives. Father, that we would be we would be single-minded on you. Father, we not let our thoughts be divided, but we would be have a singular focus on you. Father, when, when our thoughts do get divided, God, will we return back to you? Father, we love you. We, we know that your word um, goes out and it accomplishes its purpose this morning. So, Father, pray this morning for those that are, that are here that your word would, would impact their lives. And you begin, even right now, working and moving as only you can. And we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.